You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Everything is a lie. You must have been up uh, watching conspiracies again, haven't yeah, you? I haven't slept in, in days. I just you know, been... the thing about conspiracies is they turn out to be true, it seems. But uh, There's more truth in conspiracy than, in, than the truth that we see everywhere else is just a lie. Well, I, wasn't the narrative founded on you've been lied to your whole life, I believe was the opening line. And mm-hmm. Free the Narrative 1, which is now available on yeah. our YouTube for free. Control your narrative on YouTube. Free the Narrative, our very first foray into the world of creating our world via wrestling, cinematography, cinematic features. Yeah, we uh, put it up a couple days ago for free and the response has been uh, very warm, very good, uh, to the point where we're really excited because if you're watching this live on Wednesday, uh, tomorrow, uh, we will be dropping Free the Narrative 2, the monster in us all. Yeah, Free the Narrative 2, what we realize about Free the Narrative is that it should be free. Let's cut the shit. Like what, what we've we've put a lot of time, we put a lot of effort, we financially sacrificed and given up so much of ourselves to create something, but we also know it's hard to tell people what this is without seeing it. And though the idea of paying for it was to pay the people that have helped us produce it, our talents, our production. Patch back there has a knife to my throat 90% of the time asking me where his money's at. But it's not about money. There is no money in the narrative. It's about creating something that will last, creating something unique, dynamic, by telling stories, telling the true reality of the people that step into the narrative, their stories. And to do that, well, throw it up on YouTube. Sure, we'll monetize it, we'll get pennies on the dollar. It's fine, it doesn't matter. But Free the Narrative 2 will be on our YouTube for free, featuring Adam Scherer's very first post-corporate wrestling fight against me, mm-hmm. the essential character. And uh, like we've talked about, if you have it was a transcendent experience for us all, creating it, being in that moment, putting it together, filming it, airing it, um, and we hope you enjoy it because we worked tirelessly on it. Narrator on my left once said, yeah. this is my life's work. It is. So if it sucks, his life sucks, but I think it's... I didn't leave the laboratory for about Two, the last two weeks before we put it out, too. Um, one thing we, we've been realizing um, is supply and demand. And there is a lot of wrestling right now. There is nothing but. You can get wrestling anywhere. You can get the same wrestling. You can get different Like There's just so much. There's but like an insane amount of wrestling right now. To so. create a demand, we have to show you what makes us, I'm not going to say better, but unique and different. Elevated. Some elevated form of Do you know there was actually... Ironically enough, I won't name names. <clears throat> I won't. I won't name them. But there was a uh, high-level wrestling executive one talking about this idea. Said, don't call it art. Wrestling fans won't watch art. So that's 
what the perception of you is to a vast majority of the power players within this industry. I just want you to know that. Um, I disagree. Mm -hmm. I'm very good. But, uh, you know, I think there's definitely a, a market for what we create, because what we create is real, tangible storytelling that's physical and... It's poetry, too. It's poetry, it's physical. Yeah. And I don't want it to sound soft. Yeah. Like, we're not sitting there, there's a couple bards, yeah. you know... <laughs> <laughs> writing sad lyrics and things like that. We're kicking the shit out of each other. Yes. It is violence. It is nihilism. It is sweet. It is, as I say, dope as fuck. <laughs> but at the same time, it's presented at, uh, what'd you say, higher level? A higher level. Uh, elevated. Elevated, yeah. Elevated higher. presentation. Higher is too, this is a problem he has. This yeah. is a problem we all have. We have, we have fucking egos. We're creators. Yeah. So we got to tone it down. It's <laughs> elevated. Because yeah. if we say we're higher, that means we're better. Yeah. Nobody's higher. In the narrative, everybody's the same. Yes. But it is elevated. So look for that tomorrow, Free the Narrative 2. Yeah. Uh, please like, comment, subscribe. But definitely comment what you think about it. Good, bad, indifferent. I want your true, honest opinions. I do not and Send care it to every one of your friends, too. Yeah, yeah do that. Yeah, Maybe, please yeah, send it to every one of your pop friends. Pop it out there. Yeah. Get it going. This is how we change the programming. This is how you change the world. It's going to be word of mouth, as Ludacris once said. Yeah. Word of mouth. It is word of mouth. It is you helping us create something that you too will see last. So, and uh, one of our uh, co-stars in uh, Free the Narrative One is a good friend of ours, William. William. And uh, yeah. you have a very special sit-down interview yes. with him. Now, Bill Carr, aka William, is one of my best friends in wrestling. Uh, we met in developmental in the FCW days. Bill, William is one of the just most liked people I've ever been in a locker room with. He is loved, adored, cherished by all because of his humor, his personality, his... He, he's a brother that would do anything for you, but he doesn't need to say it, you just know. He's one of the most loyal, good people. And I'm very happy with the Narrative Project because we've always been friends and we'll always be friends, but it got us to get back together and create again and when I was telling narrator here about him in the early stages, like the whole purpose of what I wanted us to create was somewhere where people that I've met through this industry that deserve chances or opportunities or to be known, get known. And he's had some notoriety, but not nearly enough. I feel like the guy in any other world is a modern day big boss man for what he does in the ring and things like that. But he's also such a personality that, I mean, it's like Farley level hilarious and he deserves an opportunity to show the world what he has. It sucks that he's cursed, yeah. which we'll, he will get into we'll with talk him, about that. but he's definitely cursed, which probably leads to his uh, self-deprecation and his uh, almost self-destructive behavior that art imitates life. He's, I, well, I really hope he's not like that, but he is in a way. <laughs> But I don't think I don't think he'll ever. And, I don't but, think he'll ever die. I, what, what, what I want to pre preface, preface, whatever is is uh, William is very relatable. He's the everyday person. I mean, I know so many uh, men in their thirties that feel the same way as him and don't take the opportunity to even talk about it. So that's one thing I, I, I want to say is that in the in these days of pro wrestling, uh, Bill is William is one hundred percent the average Joe uh, in, in the in the business that people should 
really kind of pay attention to how they can compare themselves to that. You know, there's a reason that Stone Cold and McFoley worked back in the day, is because you you felt like you knew those guys. They were the everyday person. Not only that, but yeah. they were themselves yep. who you saw on TV. Turned up a notch, yeah, but yeah. like that's really who they are. And like you said, relatable. This guy, <laughs> this this Bill. <laughs> Many stories like this. I don't know what he told you on the podcast because I wasn't paying attention. I was taking a nap. No, <laughs> this guy, I remember doing a fantasy football draft with Bill Carr, and we always had, would have eating challenges. And we always forced things down his throat. It would either be like an excess gluttony or it would be something weird and crazy. But we're doing a fantasy football draft, and we challenge him to eat the ghost peppers at BW3. So he's like, oh, all right. So he's eating the ghost peppers, you know, he starts, he's no-selling it, as they would say, but like, he starts like sweating, his face is turning red, and he's like, trying not to, he's trying not to, and then he's like, grabs a server, he's like, I need to get milk, I need milk right now. He comes and grabs him milk, he chugs this milk, puts it down, looks at me, dead in the eyes, rushes to go run outside, can't make it, glass door, throws up milk and ghost pepper all over the glass door. Like he's staring at it for a second. Well, I'm all right now. Walks back to the table. Like, so the guy's just, he's a living legend, great friend. When this is all said and done and the narrative has seen its last days and every person is just a You know, it's a final war scene. Everybody's been destroyed. Houses have been burnt to the ground. It's apocalyptic as hell. Everything's dead. The last thing we'll see is Bill Carson there going, so did I win? That's a spoiler for you. (laughs) Let's take you to Free William. William. How you doing, you sack of shit? Oh, man. I'm doing great. (laughs) I'm feeling good. Thanks for... uh... I guess having me here. Yeah, well, you know, I love giving you a platform to uh, spit your bullshit out. To yeah, I got a lot of bullshit know. to spit, yeah. too. Um, so uh, I guess we'll start with, uh, how's your back feeling after all those, uh, those the, the whipping you took from Matt Taven? I'm going to be honest with you, not good. Not good, not good, not good <laughs> no. at all. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Once my hangover wore off a few days later, mm-hmm. um... The welts, I think they were going down at that point, but no, it's uh, felt pretty shitty. <laughs> that's a, yeah, that's felt what it felt pretty like. shitty. <clears throat> How about those knee strikes to your face? How'd they make you feel? I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> I have no clue what you're talking about. Um, I don't remember a single one of those. For someone that has a death wish mm-hmm. and uh, has been uh, kind of answered within the narrative uh, by taking on Pero. Yes. Um, now, the narrative is, is more your purpose. Do you want to go a little bit more into depth about what that is? You know, what is what is your purpose to live now because of the narrative? Well, you know, the first time I stepped through those doors and took a look around and saw who I, who I was dealing with and what I was dealing with, I realized that to be here, you can't be all there. That's a sure thing. Because I I realized, maybe later on in life, I don't know, but I've realized that I'm, I'm not all there. 
And I mean, clearly, you know by now yeah. that that's 100% true. Um, but yeah, like I said, um, when Paro had me in that uh, that chokehold, I was I was ready. I was ready to just. We choked it... you to a cl- climactic finish. Oh yes, you yeah. did. Yes, you, yes, you did. <laughs> so yeah, I was I was I was ready to just give it up all all all, all right there. I knew my time had come, mm-hmm. but as I had mentioned before, <sighs> look death in the face. And I, I, when I, um. So we do an onboarding uh, interview with everybody mm-hmm. with the narrative. Okay. And when we did ours with you, um, you know, you're at this point, you haven't wrestled in a while because of the pandemic. So unfortunately, you're living only in your own filth, in your own mind mm-hmm. until that moment. Yes. So getting, and, and, and by the time the narrative happened, you're, you're in Ring of Honor now and stuff mm-hmm. and everything. But th- th- your match against Pear was your first match after the world ended. Yeah. And... What, what changed within you at that moment? Because that's the you, now you're alive. You went from a guy that like when I was doing my onboarding with you, I was like, this he's so close to just you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know what exactly triggered in my head, but like I like I like I mentioned before, while I was while I was being choked out, I realized right then and there that my time there was still more for me to prove, mm-hmm. is that the right word? To prove within the narrative? And that's to prove to yourself, not even to the world, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. I don't give a fuck. And you're more welcome to look the at the world. camera when you talk to me too, yeah. You can, you oh, can do the camera. Oh, this is being recorded? Yeah, yeah, you're more than welcome to oh, speak to the audience. I thought we were just having a conversation. Yeah, I mean, oh. there's, there's, there's layers to this world, you know what I mean? There's, there's oh. actually people that are watching this, this that are... Uh, Shit, okay. Um, what blows my mind are the, the people, my father included, mm-hmm. that uh, are attracted to your misery. Yeah. And they just like, you're, you're, the, you're the worst car crash to drive by. Yeah. And everybody keeps on stopping and pulling their camera out and just like, oh, is that a, is that a dead family? You know, yeah, you're, you're that. You're, that you're the worst car crash. I am. Mind. But you know, you gotta realize that there are way more people in this world like me. But maybe I'm the only one who wants to put it out there. So maybe, you know, it, it's, it's, it's okay to want to die. It's okay to want to kill yourself. You know? It's okay to get to the edge of that cliff. In the, in the world of, uh, the, and I've, I've, obviously we are a platform for uh, mental illness and instability. Yes, uh, Obviously course. with everything Adam Shear did with the narrative. Um, do you think that, especially within pro wrestling, mm-hmm. uh, there is uh, some sort of a new kind of, hero in the guy that is just honest with himself about wanting to die. Absolutely. 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 I mean, um, why, uh, why have to suffer within your own head? Now I have a platform <laughs> to suffer with everybody else. <laughs> but we could all do it together, like a big happy family. And whatever happens in the end, happens in the end. And you know what I, I mean? I've been, uh, Studying uh, whether it's pro wrestlers or wrestling fans, and and being as as a producer, which mm-hmm. I don't consider myself a producer anymore. I consider myself a therapist uh, with an audio visual artistic background. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a lot of mental illness and depression within pro wrestling, and people use pro wrestling as a place where they can just shut off all their own problems, and they, they don't do any personal growth. They're not talking to anybody mm-hmm. about their stuff, and then they're just you know I just choose my favorite program and I watch it every week for two hours. And within that two hours, I'm going to tweet all my misery about the product because I'm not doing anything to make myself better. Yeah. I'm just 
trying to armchair produce whatever platform, whatever three-letter brand. Um, there's a lot of misery in this industry. Oh, yeah. Like. Oh, yeah. You know, it's. it's and the, the industry is built on misery, I believe. It is, yeah. It is. Mis misery and money. Yes, you know, of course. It is definitely a pit of, you know, let's overexpose this stuff as much as possible because mm -hmm. we just want to make as much money as possible. Well, of course. But with an overexposure, you'd be, you'd, you know, it sucks. <laughs> I, mean, yeah. I mean, you ask uh, anybody that you have involved here within the narrative, and uh, everybody's got their own story, but it all falls into the same story. Mm -hmm. We've all got shit going on in mm -hmm. our heads, every single one of us. So the narrative had really has became a, uh, a very therapeutic place. I mean, we are, we've completed two mm -hmm. so far. And uh, to be honest, this last experience was probably one of the most emotional few days I've ever had in my life. Not with wrestling, but just in general. And like I said, it was, a, it was very therapeutic. And uh, now I don't know if it's just the elevation or whatever, but I tend to cry on planes from time to time, mm -hmm. here and there, you yeah, know? If I'm yeah. watching a sad movie or listening to a sad song. So, funny story, I had had a few drinks before, during the flight. Yeah. And um, I was watching Goodfellas on mute and <laughs> listening to a sad, sad song in my uh, earbuds. And I was also holding a book that I didn't even open Mm -hmm. I'd planned on doing it, but I just never got to it. It was Anthony Bourdain's, um, what is it, Kitchen Confidential, I think. Oh, yes, yeah. So again, I'm sitting there with a mask on and everything and forgot what song came on. But, you know, I started to tear up a little bit. And I guess I got a little too over-emotional where the guy next to me tapped me on the shoulder and was like, hey, like, is everything all right? Are you good? And uh, I didn't really know what to say. So I looked down at the book in my hand and I looked at him, fucking tears flowing out of my eyes. And I looked at him and I just said, I just miss my friend. I don't know Anthony Bourdain. I don't know why I said that. <laughs> <laughs> I have no clue. I have no clue why yeah. I said that. Yeah. But you know what? It felt good. It felt good, It yes. felt great. And yeah. he didn't know what the hell was going on yeah. either. The look on his face was kind of like... Uh, all right, this guy's a fucking maniac. Yeah. I'm just going to leave him alone. I'm not going to ask him any more questions. You didn't get a single serving friend out of the situation? <laughs> no, no, not at all. Not at all. But I'm hysterically laughing underneath that mask. But because I'm wearing the mask, it makes it seem like I'm hysterically crying. Uh, yeah. So this guy is, again, staring at me while I am <laughs> choking due to laughter. Yeah. But he doesn't know that it's, you know, he, he figures it was me crying. But... <laughs> That was, that was, yeah, that, that, that. And that was on your way home? That. On the way there? That was on the way there. Oh, so we, walking into the situation, you already had that. We, like, we were starting that weekend off with a, with a, with a nice little bang. Yeah, and I, and I remember you bringing up some of the story to me when you got there. Um, there was, there's definitely a different type of element at the narrative than when you work, uh, whether it is a uh, corporate TV production wrestling show or an indie show, and, and walking in there, um, Everybody walks in just vulnerable. Yes. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. I mean, Adam walked in and started crying right away. Immediately. Immediately. Yeah. And everybody in the room had so like, when, when someone that you look at like that comes in and they, they let that go, mm -hmm. everybody else was like, it's safe. It is. 
you know, and it it's is. safe. Yeah, like, it really is. That's why I the the last day we were there, mm -hmm. trying to get the uh, projects, the projects. Yeah, just wanting them to get something out, mm -hmm. anything. I didn't want to hear that same wrestling promo over oh, and over and over. Yeah, I want to hear something, something real, something real, something tragic that happened in your life. I want to if 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 you can make me laugh, mad, confused, cry within a one to two minute span, mm -hmm. then you did your job. Yeah, and there's there's only a handful of people that can do that. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> bring up the projects, you know, uh, a few projects did know what to do and, and how they were able to let loose. But like, there was one, it was Vinny Pacifico. Yeah. And you've been on a lot of shows in the Northeast yes. with him. Yes, I've, 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 I've known him for a little while now. Yeah. He's, a, he's a fellow New Yorker. And, you know, being a New Yorker, you have that bond. Yeah. You know, and I needed to see something. Yeah. And something. Couldn't get past his programming. No, he couldn't. He couldn't. I know, but I know. I know there is something there. Mm -hmm. Maybe that wasn't the right time. Maybe next time will be the right time. But it could be too I'm, late. I'm worried that he might be Ned Flanders. And he's so programmed and so jolly in a way mm -hmm. that the, 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 like he never got put on the spot like you guys did. Exactly. Guys, I, I did, but you guys... I mean, I think you jumped in there a little bit. I think Pero jumped in a little bit. And we'll yeah. show the footage in the next couple of weeks with uh, Vinny Pacifico. But unfortunately, you know, when someone gets wired by indie wrestling, they're wired by indie wrestling. Jake Logan's yeah. got that. Jake Logan's like that. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah. He's um, born into it. He's born into it. Yeah. And, and that's, that's what you just know your whole life. So, yeah. he, I mean, he wasn't even, he was born into the indie wrestling yeah. level. Not even like, you know, the last name of everybody else that's, you know, on TV right Absolutely. now. Absolutely. Um, but in a, in, a, in a way... You look at Vinny Pacifico, and he's been doing this eight years now. Eight years. The kid's the kid still. Mm -hmm. He's young. Mm -hmm. So in a way, becoming an adult, he's becoming an adult in the indie wrestling world, which is which not is a good thing. Not a good thing. I, did, good I, thing. I tried doing that and didn't didn't yeah, work out. No. So... Yeah, you know, when you have someone growing up like that, an adult, and then, you know, you're sitting there, you're at the bar, um, trying to talk to your friend, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? You're pumped to be at the narrative. Uh, you got your favorite music blasting. Mm -hmm. you're, in the, you're in the zone. Of course. And then, then he shows up and tries to say that the narrative is sweet. And really just, all he wanted to do was sit there and talk to you at the bar because you knew EC3, the real EC3, as he says. Yeah. Um, Smashing his head in a bar, I totally respect. Yes, of course. But when you pushed him over, tell me why you called him a different name. Well, so, I don't know. You could tell last time I had a few drinks, mm -hmm. like I normally do. Yes, absolutely. I tend to... We're not a professional wrestling company, so you're more than welcome to do whatever you got to exactly. do to get in the zone. You know? Exactly, <laughs> you know? So, earlier that day, I'm sitting in my hotel room, and one of my favorite movies is on Beer Fest. Oh, Yes. Great yes. movie. So um, one of my favorite lines in that movie is <laughs> when they are trying to find Barry when he is a male prostitute underneath a bridge somewhere. <laughs> and he pulls up in his, they, they, they pull up in their car and he's the first one to run over. Yeah. And, you know, he's asking them what they want. And then some other guy named Antonio comes over and Barry pushes him out of the way. He's like, back the fuck up, Antonio. This is my dick. This is my dick. 
And um, <laughs> I figured that was a good play. That was a good, that was that, that was a good uh, good moment to place that line. Yeah. I, 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 I figured. I've, I've always wanted to say that. So, but, uh, you see him, and you're just like, oh my god, this is my dick moment. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And um, now, I mean. You eventually, you know, obviously, if you haven't seen the narrative, uh, he ends up talking to Vincent, um, his, his righteous brethren. Um, you guys were talking about stakes and mudslides. Did mm-hmm. stakes and mudslides even happen that night? Again, uh, so after those knee strikes mm-hmm. I received, mm-hmm. I don't remember much of what happened the next few days. Oh, yeah. So I'm assuming we did. Because yeah. I was pretty shit-faced. I was pretty hungover. Yeah. Like I said, the next few days. I'm getting older, so my hangovers last... A few days, yeah. A it's a commitment. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I might have gotten the mudslides, but uh, I don't know. Yeah, I... Uh, I'd I, like to think I did, we've, because... We've gotten so much so much feedback about the mudslides. And because uh, who has mudslides with stakes? William does. I do. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I do. I do. Um, so let's go a little bit into uh, your career with... Uh, the, uh, the, the three-letter brand. Um, how'd you meet the essential character, EC3? So, I met the essential character uh, down in Tampa, Florida, okay. where we were both uh, stationed in developmental. Okay, at a really weird time. Really weird time. They had no idea. No clue. <laughs> no clue. They had no clue. <laughs> it was, you know what, it was, it was a, it was a, Weird time because it was it was a lot of fun. Don't mm-hmm. get me wrong, it was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. But like you said, nobody. who was all in your class? So we had EC3, uh, Brodus Clay, mm-hmm. Bray Wyatt, Seth Rollins, John Moxley, Roman Reigns. Uh, Sounds like insane late nights. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, who else? Bram, I believe, was there. Yeah. Who else? Big shout out to Tom. I, I, I'm a fan of Bram. Yes. Yeah. Who else was there that we could that we could throw in there? Henning. 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 Joe Henning. Henning. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Perfect Son. Joe Henning yeah. was there. Um, yeah, Bray's brother, Bo Rotunda, was there yeah. too. Um, yeah. So I mean, if you read the dirt sheets and see what happens behind the scenes with a lot of these guys, we've had some fun <laughs> late nights. Fun late night, Yeah. So you know, you're with this this band of like. What turns out to be, you know, the business. You know what I mean? Like you just said, the backbone, the 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 bloodline, the pun intended. Yeah, of course. Of, of wrestling right now on TV. Mm-hmm. Um, what was like the weirdest and craziest story you can come up with from that time? Oh, let's see. Again, it was there was a, there was a lot. Um, I know one was going to Guar because that's a famous picture. Oh, you, yeah. Roby, and Mike going to Guar. That was that was a great time. Yeah. <laughs> That, that wasn't that wasn't as weird as the, the the one that sticks out in my head, and I don't really remember exactly who was there, but it involves an uncircumcised penis, <laughs> um, a lot of choking. I remember somebody got choked out, and I think f- fell f- fell against a bar stool and fucking destroyed their face. Um, <laughs> And we're all standing around like, holy shit, like, he's dead. Because there's a pool of blood just surrounding his head. 
And we're kind of like, oh, fuck, what do we do? We're inside of a bar, too. Yeah. This is inside of a bar. And, and there's people everywhere. There's people like, yeah, everywhere, yeah. and we're all shit-faced, too. And all of a sudden, that face looks up with this giant smile, this <laughs> giant gash from his forehead down to his nose, <laughs> just gushing blood all over the place, again, with this giant smile on his face. And we're like, we got to get you yeah. to a hospital now. So we did. And we were all trying to figure out a way because we had to go to training the next day. Oh shit! And how's he gonna show up with yeah. you know thirty stitches in his face yeah. without you know? We're not gonna tell him, hey, uh, uncircumcised penis and choking, and I fell. <laughs> um, where, so where did the penis come in to play? That's what started the whole thing. I don't know. Somebody said they had an uncircumcised penis and nobody believed them, so they had to show everybody oh, at the bar. Oh. And then uh, people started to get choked. Uh, <laughs> one thing led to another, I guess. <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, well, you have a gift, you know. No, I guess so. <laughs> so we, we were trying to figure out a story to, like, why this person is showing up to training the next day with, a, with stitches in his face. And I'm like, oh, well, we'll just say we were at Dutch's apartment. We're throwing around a football, and I fell and hit my face on your glass <laughs> table. I'm like, no, that's one. That's stupid. Yeah. That's a stupid, stupid story. Uh, nobody's going to believe it yeah. because the size of your gash is uh, not going to... That doesn't just happen from falling onto a table, throwing a football in a 20 by 20 foot apartment in Tampa, Florida. So I think we just told them, like, just... Tell them the truth. Just keep out the uncircumcised penis, and we'll keep be the, all right. Yeah, keep the dick out keep of this. Di- keep the dick out of it. But the uh, you know you had, a little, you had a little too much fun in a bar. You fell down your face. Now, who was the uh, who was the coach you had to report to with the story? Oh, this was Doctor Tom. Doctor Tom. And thank God yeah. it was Doctor Tom. Yeah, thank God it was Doctor Tom. Because, <laughs> like, like you said, it was a weird time there. But yeah. we had we had some great coaches, and they did let us get away with quite a bit. I don't know how it is now. I know that when I got fired, which kind of as crazy as this sounds, it was kind of like the right time to get fired. Yeah. Because after that was kind of just, I mean, you saw the downfall of just so everything. You, you never, you were already out before it became a performance center and stuff like yes. that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was, I was, I was the warehouse. Yeah. The, you were the, the warehouse. warehouse yeah. And that was Dr. Tom and Dusty and everybody. Yeah. 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 That's what I thought. Yep. Um, so uh, I want to go into a little bit about uh, your curse. Mm-hmm. So we seem like this is something we talk about behind the scenes here at the narrative that William has a curse. Like we can never nail the right opponent. Um, everywhere you work for never really realizes you exist half the time. Yeah. Now, do you think that you've had that curse your entire career? Because I mean, I, I, basically, there's a story I'd love you to tell, but like. You want to tell your uh, live event story? Were they invited? Was it up in New York? Whatever you had to go to a live event. Oh you yeah. You were invited there, and then you were made to feel not welcome yes. and stuff oh, like sure. that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Give that story out because like sure. that's something the world should, should kind of know about about your career, um, because we all think that Williams, effing talent. Um, oh, I appreciate that. Thank but you. But unfortunately, you might not fit into the lens of the programming in wrestling, and that is the reality. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So again, going back down to developmental. Uh, we would get breaks for holidays, Thanksgiving mm-hmm. and Christmas. So I believe it was Christmas I flew back home and Raw was being done in Albany, which is only an hour drive from yeah. me. 
So I called up the office and I was like, hey, like any chance I could just, you know, come hang out, maybe roll around, you know, pre-show yeah. or whatever. Like, yeah, absolutely, show up. Which is ridiculously advantageous. Yes. Yes. So I show up and I'm told to go see, we'll just call him, give him the initials MC. Go to MC's office. Yeah. So I go to MC's office and I knock on the door and I hear, come in. So I open up the door and this gentleman starts to scream at me, telling me how dare I enter a room without knocking first. Which you knocked. Which I knocked and yeah. he clearly told me to come inside. Um, and just belittle me and tell me that if, you know, Mr. Laurinaitis was here, he'd be fired on the spot. Told me to get the fuck out and stand outside of his door and wait for him to come outside. Did he know who you were, though? He knew who you were? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. yeah. So I did, and I stood outside that door for, I believe, a little over two hours before he came out, just to tell me, okay, go put, go put your stuff with the uh, NXT crew and get changed in there. <laughs> I'm like, holy shit. How old were you at the time? Ah, uh, 22. <laughs> 22. Not something that 22-year-olds should go through. No, yeah, so I guess that could that let's just say that was the start of it, I'd say. Yeah. That was the start. And then we could fast forward to the, uh, you know, my end days in developmental. There was one, one day where they had hired, uh, what were they? Were they like motivational speakers? Were you there for that? Yeah. Yeah, they had hired motivational speakers. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so they had hired motivational speakers to come in and help us, you know, be, you know, team builders. <laughs> and this went on for like six hours. So, I mean, it was kind of just like, what's happening? Like, yeah. what's going on here? But at the end, they took us each aside, not each of us, but they split us up into two groups. And there was two motivational speakers, mm -hmm. so each guy went with each group. And there was a few office people there so <clears throat> we're in this group and the guy asked, you know, he's like, what are you, like, what are you most scared of? He asked, went out, you know, yeah. to everybody there. So I, I said, I was like, I wake up every day thinking I'm going to get fired because that's kind of how I, I feel, you know, being told, oh, you're on the bubble. You're on, you're on that bubble, yeah. you know, by certain people. And if you get in your head like, shit, I could get fired at any, at any given moment now. So... It's a great working environment. Yeah, great work environment. So I'm, um, you know, finally being able to kind of like get this off my chest to feel to feel a little mm. better, you know. And I tell this story, and I, whatever response he gave to me, I don't remember, didn't matter. But one of the office people that was there pulled me aside later on and was like, "Bill, I just want to let you know you're fine." <laughs> so I was like, "Okay, thank you. Yeah. That just puts me at ease." Fast forward a week later. Uh, I forgot his name, but whoever dealt with some of the contracts came down and was like, hey, we're, uh, we're going to give you a raise. And you, we know you can do this Bobby Dutch gimmick. Mm -hmm. So put that, we'll put that on the back burner. We want to see you for you, see what you can do. Mm -hmm. So I was like, oh, great. And I'm just coming back from having one of the worst concussions of my life, too. So I'm just starting to get yeah. cleared from that. And my first match back was it actually against the essential character. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So that was on a Thursday. 
We head off on that Friday. Mm -hmm. Now again, this is after getting a raise yeah. the week before and being told I could do my own thing because they want to see what I can do in one week. So fast forward to that match that we had together. Yeah. The next day, that Friday, I get my raise. We're sitting on the beach, yeah. having a few beers. You Hopefully know. a mudslide. Oh, wow. Maybe a few mudslides. <laughs> you know, it's, 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 it's a beautiful day out. It's yeah. not bad. We know we're having a good time. All of a sudden, I look down at my phone, and I see a private number calling me. And I'm oh. like, okay, it's Friday. So most of these happen on Fridays that we know of. Yeah. It was either my parents or the three-letter brand. Yeah. So I remember Seth Rollins was sitting right next to me, mm -hmm. and we both looked down at my phone, and we both looked up at each other like, oh, oh shit. So I answered, I'm like, hello, like with my fingers crossed, being like, please be my mom. Please mm. be my mom. And it's like, oh, this is so-and-so from WWE. We're going to put you on a conference call, Mr. Laurinaitis. I'm like, fuck, uh. okay. So I get up and walk away, and he, they, everybody there could just tell, like, tell, yeah. oh, shit. Because everybody's dealing with that. Like, oh, every, yeah. everybody's watching one, like, you know, someone get voted off the island or whatever as you're trying to Absolutely. all become something. Yeah. So Healthy work, work environment. Yeah. So I walk away, take the phone call. He's like, uh, you know, you know we, uh, we're going to have to let you go. <laughs> so I'm like, okay. Uh, is it just, like, cuts? Like, what's going on? He's like, well... We don't see enough of you in your work. I'm like, you just told me last week. <laughs> I, I've been, I've been, what I was doing, I would get emails every other week <laughs> telling me exactly what to do. They wanted me to be a big, loud, obnoxious Texan. Those are the exact words that came out. From New York. From New York. From Brooklyn, New York. Yeah. That's where they billed me and they announced me from Brooklyn, New York. Every fucking show. And I come out with a fucking bull rope and making noises because I couldn't do a, a Texas redneck accent. God. So, but they liked it. And like I said, I'm, that's what I'm doing every week. They made me dye my hair blonde, switch yeah. the trunks, shave my beard, have yeah. a goatee, all the yada, yada, yada. Yeah. Every, every other week I'm getting these emails to do this, do this, do this, do this. Until the day they told me not to do that, do my own thing. Yeah, I'm on the phone with them. Tells me he doesn't see enough of myself and my work after doing what they exactly what they told me to yeah. do for a year and a half. And, um... I mean, they pretty much just made you be a dancing monkey for a year well, and a half. 100%. Like, like, <laughs> 100%. And then he tells me, he's like, listen, we want you back. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so why are you firing me? So he's like, I don't care if it takes three months, six months, a year, we want you back. He's like, call me, call me after three months. I was like, all right, I'll call you after three months. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Three months goes by, almost to the day. I call him on the phone, mm. leave a voicemail, never got, and I've never got a response. So after that, I started doing extra work again. Yeah. Kind of just to go hang out with my friends who yeah. I haven't seen in a while. Yeah. And I remember the first time walking in and seeing Mr. Laurinaitis and saying, hey, how are you? Walked right past me, didn't even look at me. Wow. Walked right past me. The people power, man. He's, yes. he's, he's got so much. <laughs> the one good thing I have to say about that, though, Rewinding back to that um, motivational speaking class, one of the office people that was there, I, f- I forget her name, but the one that told me that I was okay. Mm-hmm. So she is at one of the shows I'm doing extra work mm-hmm. at, and she sees me, and you could like with tears in her eyes, like uh, I had no idea. Yeah. I want to let you know that I had no idea that this was happening. And I was like, it's not your fault. Yeah. Believe me, I know it's not your fault. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. You know, and like I uh sometimes it feels so much like uh like everybody's you, all your eight by tens are on a wall and they just sit there with darts and then they just make the call yeah. and do it. And it, that because it's everything you just said, that story you said to you, was so littered with bullshit. Yeah. And, uh, 100%. and unfortunately it's 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 insane. Yeah. You know. Um you know, we obviously see something in you. Obviously, that's why you're here. No, you know I what I mean? We're part of this. Um, but you're you're also like, kind of. Yeah. I said if, we, if if the narrative because we don't want championships because it's not about winning championships. But yeah. you would I always pictured you as my champion because oh, right. of, you know, like because of that kind of stuff because <laughs> uh, because of, of your performances you give absolutely um, and the emotion you give in the ring. Um, now I want to go into two things. I want to as a two part question. First, what is your biggest influence as a person? Within music, mm-hmm. and then who is your biggest influence in, in, in a person as a wrestler? Like, who, why, why are you William? Why are you Bill Carr? Why are you Dutch? Okay, you know what I mean. Uh, start with the music first. So music, because um, so, obviously we love music here. Yeah, like, so we're, 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 we're a music fed. Yeah, absolutely. Like, <laughs> so I uh, grew up on my my dad's music. I remember that I was about maybe five six years old when he handed me his, my first cassette tape that he gave me. And it was Aerosmith's greatest hits. Okay. Amen to that one. Absolutely. Yeah. And it was great. You know, starting me off at a young age, yeah. you know, getting me into the classic rock and everything. And eventually it kind of evolve, mm-hmm. you know, here and there. You start getting into, you know, I, st- I started getting into the more of the heavier stuff. I remember mm-hmm. the first time on the radio hearing Enter Sandman. Ooh, yeah. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. Yeah. But I didn't know the name of the song. <laughs> I just knew that it was Metallica. Yeah. So I had had my, like, whatever savings I had, yeah. you know, I went out to Nobody Beats the Wiz <laughs> and um, I bought two Metallica CDs, hoping that Enter Sandman would be on one of them. And you bought the first two? I bought Ride the Lightning <laughs> and Justice for All. So. Same, same thing happened to me with uh, Faith and More Epic. I love Epic so much. Yeah. I, uh, I end up taking home uh, Angel Dust from the library. Oh, okay. And then my whole, then my whole life is this. Well, that, <laughs> that, and, 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 that, and that's the same thing with me, too. Yeah, yeah. So, again, like, at this point, Enter Sandman's the heaviest thing I've ever heard. Mm-hmm. So, I go back to my grandfather's house, out to my uncle's room, you know, the big headphones, big stereo. I put Ride the Lightning in. Fight Fire with Fire is the first song <laughs> on the album. I'm like... 
you know, starts off with the acoustic <laughs> yeah. and everything, and then all of a sudden just fucking <laughs> drops. And I'm like, holy <laughs> shit. This is the greatest thing I've ever heard in my life. So that was really... They started a few records like that. Battery started similar, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, well, that's like, a thing. If you compare Ride the Lightning and Master of Puppets back to oh. back, they're, the, they're, they're both amazing albums. Yeah. But they're the same album. The same album, yes. The yeah. same album. This, there's, it's the same format. It's the same format, yeah. And we see, we see that in like hardcore a lot. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah bands, absolutely. You, know, you, you find success, you just try to re- replicate that. Yeah. because and that's uh, fine. And, and a lot of the metal world and the hardcore world don't want change. They don't want something new. Yeah. They want the same thing over and over again. Yeah. And then they want to say, hey, this sounds like this. You know, like they, no, absolutely. They, that's what, that's what I mean, there, there's, there's been times that I'm just searching for the heaviest breakdown I could possibly find, yeah. and, you know? <laughs> It's 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 all essentially the same. It's yeah. all it all it, it it all leads to the same thing. Um, because we uh, you have a finisher now in the narrative called Hammer Smash Face, as no, you of see, course, uh, he's wearing. Um, Cannibal Corpse is a big, like motivational mm. motivational product for you. Oh, I love Cannibal Corpse. I absolutely love Cannibal Corpse. So they're another band that um, I had remember seeing them in. Uh, Ace Ventura. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And, and that was the original singer, right? Yes. I was glad, glad from Deicide to see him. And <clears throat> so that was when I was young, but that was the, you know that got stuck in my head. And I remember New England clam chowder. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember going to I think it was like I think it was a Sound of the Underground tour. Yeah. Years ago, maybe like 2000. There was only one year of that, and that, that was a. Uh, I mean, I think Mushroom had played some of the dates uh, on it. That I, I was with them on that, but there was a Guar. Yeah, yeah, was a guar. yeah but yeah. Cannibal Corpse was also there yep. too, and I was like, oh shit, you know, let me see how how they are, you know, because I've really, at that point, yeah. I've only listened to whatever they had on Hammer Smash Face yeah. on Ace Ventura. And they came out, and again, I'm standing there like, that first fucking riff, I'm like, oh my god! <laughs> so my my life was changed right there. I yeah. was a fucking. I remember they like. I went out, yeah. whatever money I had, I bought everything. Cannibal Corpse. <laughs> they were fucking signing autographs for like five bucks, just like wrestlers. Yeah. You know. And I'm like, you guys are the greatest thing I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's uh, between that. And my love of horror movies, like that, just it's 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 the same thing. Yeah, it really it is, is. yeah, and in very similar way, uh, you know, it's I, I I can't quote my favorite um, Cannibal Corpse song because I don't want to use the, the actually a strip raped and strangled is my favorite hands down. That's a great song. That, that opening riff, <laughs> that opening riff, still it's like in the world of weightlifting riffs. Oh, like yeah. if you want to lift some weights, put that song on. Um, but in the death metal world, uh, to anybody that doesn't listen to death metal. Uh, how he compares it to, to horror movies is they do have the freedom to kind of get really uh, graphic in the lyrical content. Yes. And it's all uh, artistic, artistically done. Um, these people aren't like, the, the same thing as a horror movie. That's, they're just actors doing exactly. it. These are just people playing it. Uh, but I, I spent so much of my life in the death metal world. And I'm not even the biggest death metal fan, mm-hmm. but I love Cannibal Corpse. Yeah. Oh, my God. I've, I've, acted, I've opened for Deicide. I got to play with Deicide. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, was, I was in a band called Obstacle Corpse. Okay. Yeah, because yeah. obviously you <laughs> know why that. Absolutely. Yeah, like, um, but it was, uh, I've, I've been lucky enough to have meet Corp, met Corp, Corpse Grinder a few times. 
Uh, so if you're watching Corpse Grinder, we'd love for you to come and have a beer with William in no, the narrative. That'd be amazing. You know what I mean? It, we film in Florida. You're in Florida. We'll make this happen. Oh, please, absolutely. We'll have a, we'll have a six pack just for you. But sounds uh, good to me. Uh, let's go into what is your biggest influences to become a wrestler? Okay, so in the performance value sense, not even the, uh, the artistic sense, not even the work rate. Okay. So I got into pro wrestling at a very young age, and I think it was because my mom just wanted to occupy me. So yeah, same. my aunt had a Saturday night's main event on VHS that they would just throw in the VCR, and I'd be glued to the television. Is that the Macho Man Hogan hours. one? Yes, it is. So I've been talking about this, because <laughs> you're 38. Mm-hmm. I'm th- Third, I'm down. No, I'm, I'm, I'm 34. You're 34. I'm 34. Oh, gosh. I'm, I'm so sorry. I thought you were my... There's so much of the narrative that's 38. Like, it's insane. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean you could say I'm 38. But I, I, there's something about that soap opera drama of Hulk Hogan Macho Man in the backstage and the fit Hulk Hogan threw because Hulk Hogan never threw a fit. Yeah. He never showed that layer of emotion. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> like, no, I know. You know what I mean? And, Absolutely, and, yeah. yeah. And I, like, I, I, the, the song "You're a Friend of Mine" by Jackson Brown and Clarence Clemens sticks out of my head because it's, to me, one of the greatest <laughs> video packages ever made. It's so good. And you, 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 you watch that leading right into the Mega Powers versus the Twin Towers, oh. and you know the the, yeah. the the story with Miss Elizabeth and everything. All that, yeah. that there solidified my love for professional wrestling. And now I knew it was a it was a drama that, as children, we didn't know exactly. Either, you know, like exactly. Like, but uh, again, as I get older, um, your brain evolves and you start liking mm-hmm. different things. So, as I started getting to like middle school, you would hear rumblings of. Uh, Japanese deathmatch wrestling. <laughs> so, and I mean, there was yeah. no, no way for me to get a hold of any of this stuff yeah. because none of my friends were tape traders. And yeah. I didn't know any tape traders. Know, the internet saying. wasn't around. Yeah. I didn't know. We, had the, we just had the magazine, you that, had would the talk, magazines. that would talk yeah. about it. Yeah. So, exactly. So, I remember flipping through pages and seeing. You know, Abdul the Butcher with his skin burned. That, I forgot what magazine that was, but I remember <laughs> the cover of it was Abdul the Butcher with his skin being burnt off of his body. <laughs> and I'm like, this is awesome. Yeah. So, again, reading the magazines and everything, and um, you, I started reading a lot about Cactus Jack. Oh, yes. So, and then when he came in to WWF at the time as Mankind, yeah. I was excited. I was a big fan of Mankind Beautiful. and everything. What a piece of work that first two years for it was. Absolutely. You know I, mean? like, I actually, I was just watching him and Shawn Michaels the other day from one of the In Your House pay-per-views, and it's one of the greatest matches. It's probably oh, the greatest match McFoley's ever had. Oh, absolutely, yes. Um, but anyway, so I love the Mankind character and everything, and... I was probably, what, 97, 98? Mm-hmm. I'm at Monday Night Raw at the Madison Square Garden for Dead. Mm-hmm. And again, like I said, I've always heard rumblings of Cactus Jack. Never saw Cactus yeah. Jack. But I knew about him, and I knew, I, I didn't really, actually, I didn't know that. So you weren't w- watching WCW I wasn't watching yeah. WCW. 
Because um, I was I was a big fan of his because I was from Cleveland. Yeah. And Cactus Jack was missing in Cleveland. Yes. And they did vignettes, and I was like, this is so cool. And like I'd ask my dad to go drive around looking for him. Yeah. And he would be like, yeah, huh? Like, okay. <laughs> Actually, actually, no, I lied. I didn't, I, I, I knew he wrestled for WCW because uh, at the video store they'd have the WCW pay-per-views. So mm-hmm. in my oh. mind, Cactus Jack is this extreme deathmatch guy from Japan, yeah. wrestling with barbed wire, explosives, glass, thumbtacks, you name it. Yeah. So I'm, I browsing, popping out. Yeah, I'm <laughs> browsing through the WCWs and I see Cactus Jack is on a few of these, so yeah. I get them expecting to see <laughs> that that stuff, and I was kind of disappointed. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So anyway, we're sitting at Madison Square Garden at Monday Night Raw, and Triple H is in the ring, cutting a promo, doing whatever. He's supposed to be wrestling Mankind or Doodle, whoever he's wrestling yeah. tonight. And Cactus Jack comes. Oh, what a great I'm moment! I'm like, this is fucking yeah, yeah. amazing to be there for that. To be yeah. there for that, yeah. yeah. And I remember my, my whole family's from Brooklyn. So um, Cactus Jack comes out and everything. It's a great match. Mm-hmm. I was so pumped for it and everything. And a few days later, we're at my grandfather's house in Brooklyn and there was an anime store that mm-hmm. was down the street. And I'm not really big into anime, but yeah. I figured they had some wrestling stuff I saw in the window. Yeah. So I walked down and go take a look. And what do I see in the, uh, like the video Island they had there was the IWA, the Deathmatch, the, oh, yeah. De- the King of the Deathmatch. King of the Deathmatch, yes. So I'm like, okay, I've only heard about this. Yeah, and you're a teenager, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I got to get this tape. So I get that tape, and my life with wrestling was changed forever after oh. watching that because I'm like, this is amazing. This is <laughs> this is so cool, and um, I've o- I always wanted to kind of get into that style, but. Watching, you know, the, the deathmatch scene and everything when I first started getting into yeah. pro wrestling was kind of getting a little, like, too yeah, dirty, too dirty. Which is great. I, I love yeah. watching it. I love watching it, but do love it, yeah. watching it. I'd rather I, not do it. I often call uh, deathmatch porn. Mm-hmm. Like I'm like, this is porn. You yeah. know what I mean? It, like, so I, I like it. I yeah. get off on oh, it. Oh, absolutely. But it's still just porn. It's not. Absolutely. It's not. It's not uh, there's not a lot of storytelling in that. Yeah. <laughs> like, no. No. <laughs> no. I mean, like, like I said, I, I I like it. The bloodier it gets, the better. Yeah. The, the the more closer to death you get, the better for me too. You know. <laughs> and uh, yeah. So like I said, it was. You know, wrong era for me to get into deathmatch wrestling. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um. <laughs> Two more questions, and we'll, we'll, we'll end this. Uh, mm-hmm. One, um, if someone on the street asks you what the narrative is, what's your elevator pitch? Oof, that is a good question. Um, I wouldn't just say an underground fight club because it's more than an underground fight club. Like it's like like we mentioned before, yeah. this is a place not for everybody. No, not for everybody. Um, it's more of a place for therapy yeah. honestly it is and um, I, I mean I yeah I would just explain that it's that this is this is this is a place not for everyone um, it's I don't even know I mean, you know what it's just such a such a good concept and just uh, interesting and powerful and emotional and it's 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 it, it's above pro wrestling to me. Mm-hmm. 
Because pro wrestling has always been an outlet for me. Yeah. But pro wrestling has also destroyed my life. Yes. Now that the narrative has come around, I, I mean, I obviously know people involved in everything mm-hmm. and how wrestling has ruined their lives as well. And it's kind of like, okay, I'm not alone. Yes. I'm not alone with this. So it's a place for you to really let loose, just let go of your emotions, and you're not alone. Mm-hmm. You can do it with other people yeah. who feel the same way that you do. Without judgment. Too. Without judgment. Without judgment. Without judgment. Uh, one last question. Um, if uh, we, we always talk about uh, the essential character, and uh, obviously Adam Shear knocked on the door here, and that's that's how we have free the mm-hmm. narrative too. Um, if you were sitting in the kill room, and 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 you're the essential character, who would you want to knock on that door? Hmm. You know what? I would like Cactus Jack to knock on that door. <laughs> I want Cactus Jack to knock on that door. Cactus Jack to I don't make... want Mankind. Yeah, I don't yeah. want Mick Foley. You're the, yeah, you want the Bang Bang. I want Cactus Jack. Cactus Jack, all right. Well, thank you very much. Thank you very much. <laughs> well, that was one of my best friends, Bill. What'd you think about that? Um, oh, how about that one story? The one at the bar? I was just gonna, I was <laughs> actually gonna lead with that. What he failed to mention was after this anonymous person's face smashed in the bar, like in the floor, then he came up, he did not mention the fact his nose was flat. Like he had like, it was just flat, but he had the biggest grin on his face you've ever seen. Did he mention the grin? I don't think so. I think he may have. He may have mentioned yeah. the grin. Like, yeah, the I've noticed, grin. like, yeah. Like, it, pancake flat. It was absurd. So, yeah. You worry, you know, we talk mental health and the narrative, things like that, too. When someone's so self-deprecating sometimes, like, comedians are always the most depressed. So you worry about people like that. And the self-deprecation sometimes is a, is a projection. One of my great flaws in the past was like, ah, you know, self-deprecating myself because I was unhappy with things. So, I don't know why I'm bringing that up, besides the fact that, like, he says it's so funny, but look, when people are that funny, you know, I don't know, keep an eye out on them. Yeah, and what's uh, amazing about all that is that that whole interview just felt so real. Like, he was, he's just, he's very honest, he's very transparent, and, you know, he's actually pretty cool, too, you know, just speaking out. He's the coolest dude. He's coolest dude. We were very lucky that he... Uh, was able to be in Orlando to, to sit down with us. Yeah, you only got to know him through this, but it seems like you guys are old friends already. Yeah, from the moment we started talking, it was the first time we ever met. It was like you, you weren't even in the room. We were just buddies right away when we walked yeah. in. He's, um, that, he's that kind of dude, and like you have weird-ass metal tastes that <laughs> seem to bond you, and I yeah. haven't seen a horror movie since uh, I spit on your grave in high school, but you guys like horror movies, and then Hammer Smash Face. Yeah, Camel just, Corpse. In Free the Narrative 2, Hammer Smash Face comes across the screen when he's smashing some dude's face into the mat. And he says, what do you think of that? And I'm like, I, I can't read it. I don't understand. The font's horrible. He said, well, Bill would understand. It's a metal font. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, right? it's, a, it's, a, it's a brutal death metal font, you know, because uh, you got you got to pay homage to the... Uh, if you're gonna be a death metal um, or any kind of thrash metal, you gotta be uh, authentic. 
um, have have true true to yourself on that kind of stuff. At least I'm wise enough to know when I'm wrong. Right. Want to talk about some sponsors real quick? Well, they're not sponsors because we're not getting paid to do them. We're actually we're getting paid in seasoning. <laughs> we're getting paid in fish and seasoning. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, we don't have like I my parents owned a small business. I support small businesses at every turn. 90% of the stuff I post on Instagram where I'm like hashtagging support small business and linking people, I'm not getting paid for. It's not paid bullshit. I'm not a fucking scumbag. But our boy Tom over at Dude Seasoning sent us an excessive amount of Dude Seasoning at Dude's Gourmet on the Instagram, promo code EC3. Support them, they have great seasoning. You love the fairy dust, but then you, nice, went, yeah. Yeah, you went keto, so you can't eat it because there's a little sugar in it. Uh, what else we got in here? Here, yeah, Pizza Dude, yeah, yeah. that one's keto friendly. Pizza Dude's got 30 seconds. Like, so he's got a humorous, I mean, there's nothing humorous about that, it's just a good seasoning. <laughs> That's Babacoa. Oh, Babacoa, Lucy's Italian. Babacoa, mm, whatever. These, these names, these I took about great. nine of them home. Yeah, he's very funny. Oh, this is the one. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I haven't seen this one. The dude she told you to, the dude she told you not to worry about. And it's got the eggplant and the eggplant emoji, which yeah. apparently means dick. Really? All I this guess time. the whole time. I just but, thought they were all like gardening. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Tom and Dudes has a fish business going too, so he keeps trying to send us fish, and then UPS loses one package. We're not here to pick up another one. So he's wasted about 30 pounds of like sushi grade octopus <laughs> and the finest Alaskan salmon possible, yeah. uh, just baking under the hot Florida sun, destroyed forever. So I'm sorry for anybody that was hungry that could have eaten that food. We've wasted it, and I hate waste. Yeah. But dude's gourmet, dude's seasoning, he's a dude. We're going to need the uh, dude's gourmet fish to feed the space monkeys here yeah. at Justified Prince. And yes, plus uh, we're bounded by the word dude because we are founding fathers of Dude Fest, which will be another podcast all of itself. Yeah. So there's that. Can you imagine the Dude Fest uh, podcast where we sit around, we'll, we'll probably do it on Zoom, and everybody can tell their best favorite Dude Fest stories, but I'd probably have to edit out a lot of them still too. Like. It's a lot of stories we can't talk about. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, a, a nice round table would be good. Well produced. That'd be all right. Table for dudes? Table for dudes. Hashtag We've table for dudes. Lived some lives. Yeah. But we are just rambling here. Okay, uh, take, me, take me away. What else do we have Keep to talk about? Everything. Everything. Um, at this point, uh, Buddy Matthews has debuted for New Japan Pro Wrestling. Not debut, but he's been announced for New Japan Pro Wrestling. That was a great opportunity that just fell into our laps uh, last week or so. Control Your Narrative Studios pumping out the cinema, the content. People yeah. are catching on, seeing what we do. Beyond the narrative, we create art for everybody. And any aspiring pro wrestler, well, not aspiring because you're probably just going to blast my DMs looking for bookings like <laughs> 90% of you are, but any... Anybody who's, who wants to recreate themselves in their own vision, we love to help facilitate it. So, you know. Yeah, knock on, get, just the, the knock on the door. But uh, this was the uh, second uh, propaganda piece I've worked with. with uh, not, he was Buddy Matthew, Murphy, but now Buddy Matthews. It was a really cool Sin City vibe. A lot of really great re reveal at the end. Um, and it played live last weekend on pay-per-view. So... Uh, head over to New Japan's YouTube, check it out. I'm pretty proud of it, to be honest. Pulled together in 48 hours. <laughs> Some of those scenes look very familiar. Yeah. 
<laughs> Interesting enough. And no, it's cool as shit. Yeah, yeah it's, it's cool. It's not dope as fuck. It's not yeah. the narrative, but it's yeah. cool as shit. Yeah. We'll give it that. We had homework. Yes. Did you think of your homework yet? Uh, Put you on the spot last week. You don't no, need I have to. not. Yeah. Well, it's all right. We had some submitted. It's by the person that... Uh, to be honest, though, I did talk to my dad out of all that, so... Which is perfect. Yeah. Last Dad's Saturday. a huge YouTube fan, apparently. Yeah, of our, yeah. so he called me up last Saturday and to uh, hear my father, uh, who's, you know, he always made fun of Ultimate Warrior's white nipples growing up and stuff like that. And he, you know, he, yeah, he always said Ultimate Warrior had really white nipples. And that's what he would tell me as a child. Um, so that's all I could see as a kid. But the, uh, he, was very, he, was, he was supportive of wrestling, but not really a wrestling fan. Uh, so to see my dad be this into the narrative and he's calling me up about just friends of his that he grew up with, you know, hasn't talked to in 15 years and they saw the link on YouTube and they went and watched it and they're hitting him up. And uh, that has to be a proud moment for a father, a uh, parent of an artist. And it's another thing he should be proud of too because- Your brother. My brother, uh, my brother Joshua is in the Austin Film Festival, uh, which he will be uh, appearing tomorrow at four o'clock. Um, and the panel, I think tomorrow night is headlined by um, the producer of Westworld. What was her name? Um, I always say it all, all the time. Oh, you just cost them the win. Yeah, just cost them the win, yeah. Lisa Joy. Lisa Joy, yeah. Joy to be around. Yeah, no, she's uh, the, the brains behind the Westworld uh, project. It's, one of my f it's probably my favorite show going right now. But my brother has uh, produced a short a comedy short called Millennial Tiny Little House. We just did the shirts for them here at Justified. So if you're at Awesome Film Festival, look around for the, the shirts. And uh, it's a mockumentary that goes wrong. So go check it out. I don't want to give away too much. But no, that's very yeah. cool. And like, yeah. we are always, first off, super proud of people outside of the wrestling bubble that get to see what we do and become engaged in it because that's kind of the purpose we can go beyond. Wrestling's good. Wrestling fans are always gonna be there. It's time to like branching out and finding new fans, different fans, unique fans, sort of a subculture on its own. But then it's super awesome to have a talented family, two aspiring filmmakers who are measuring dicks half the time yeah, now, yeah. which I like to hear about because I love competitions. Great. Yeah. But most of our awesome. chat groups are just less, like uh, flexing at each other. Yeah, you accidentally sent me a text message the other day. Oh yeah, well we're doing this. And I was like, I know we are. He's like, Oh, it's for my brother. <laughs> But that's super cool yeah. to have and uh, two aspiring filmmakers without any true, like, uh, you weren't born into anything. You didn't classically get brought in or educated in it. You found your own ways in different ways and that's, and you've just followed your hearts and your passions to create your life's works. And we're proud of you, man. That's, it's cool shit. And that's, you know, you know, shout out to my dad. That's, that's, you know. It's his seed. It's his seed. That brought upon these <laughs> societal nightmares that he calls <laughs> Brothers Kaziski. Uh, but uh, it's Kaziski, bro. I know. Um, <laughs> I'm sure everybody reads our names like, what the F does that say? Um, so, yeah, some homework. All right. So, yesterday, this is like these things have touched me two weeks in a row. So, I like to single out one. My history is different. And the same as most have struggled to control my narrative in a time when I thought I knew it all. <clears throat> I deviated. I entered a cycle of drinks and women that made me one step closer to becoming like my old man on each mistake I made. I mean, I've done quite a few cycles of drinks and women myself, but I'll leave it at. I was losing my control to be me and becoming someone that I loved 
but I disliked. Don't get me wrong, I do love my father, but I can tell you and him that he was not a good one. He was absent, but he was never away. Just absent when I needed him the most. By God, I vowed to not become him. And at that time, I had all the freedom to make my own choices, but lacked one thing, purpose. Mm. That simple thing was drifting in the mist of ether for years and years until Gabriel, my little boy, was born four years ago. And then, only then, as I held him in my arms for the first time, I regained control of my life. I had my freedom from the shadows of my past, and I found my purpose, to become the father that I never had. Damn! That's going to kick me right in the heartstrings. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, good. I'm fortunate enough to know the feeling also. Yeah. Yeah, so thank you. That's that's. Yeah, it's really, yeah. See, I like to catch him off guard with that, with the, the hard string things. He's very emotional. But no, it's... I'm operating, I'm operating on mostly emotional. I've been super fortunate in life to have just the man, EC2, like a great father who was always there, never never had a struggle, like even when he would throw baseballs at me because I was a wuss. <laughs> no, but like I never had the, like a relationship I could ever like... It's always been great. He's been the best father possible and supported me even when he shouldn't have and bailed me out even when he shouldn't have and laughs at me still to this day for when he got a letter from the Cleveland Browns thinking they wanted to renew season tickets but instead it was saying he was banned from Cleveland Browns Stadium to a game he didn't go to but we also shared the same Christian name so <laughs> it was actually me that got banned and now it's framed in his office at home. But to, you know... I forgot to have, about that. <laughs> to have a strenuous relationship like that and be able to uh, yeah. not make those mistakes or not fall into the, like, it's hard to not fall into those footsteps and those pitfalls. Because, you know, sometimes they're hereditary and sometimes the lack of a father is like, you don't know how to be a man or how to become a man, but to find it within the birth of your own child and, like, kick out that moment and realize that's the purpose. It's really cool. I'm glad you shared that story. So, uh, Next week, we're going to have Weston Blake on the show. Going to be real excited to give a little bit of back history of his story. Um, and actually, on YouTube that day, we'll be putting out uh, his match with John Schuyler. Um, um, at this point, you will be able to see that match tomorrow, but uh, we're going to put it out in its entirety by itself as a little... A little propaganda piece because, man, that is a brutal match. When you t- <laughs> talk to him, too, when you interview him, I just want to, like... I really want you guys to dive into psychology that's missing today because he's one of, like I've said 15,000 times, one of the best in-ring wrestlers I've ever been in there with, but currently going today. And it's criminal. He's not a high-level player anywhere besides with us, but he will have a home with us forever. And as he grows, I mean, he's a key and integral part because he is a great father, but a great man. Great wrestler, so he's the precision, the precision, <laughs> the precision. Yeah. This week, yeah, too. I gotta give some homework out, right? Yeah, yeah. get some homework okay. out before we take it home. Yeah. All right. This week, homework: engage a stranger in conversation that has meaning. So by that, I mean, you know, you're, you're at the checkout line. And you're like, how's your? How are you? Good. How are you? Good. Go deeper. Mm. Get in there. Are you really good? Or they ask you, 
And this just happened to me at 7-Eleven. The toothless lady. That's cool. I engaged her. How are you? I said, well, Christine, not great today. And I told her why. And I was like, well, this is going on. I'm like super busy with this. This is stressing me out. I just came from this uh, physical therapy lady that beat the living hell out of me. I'm in chronic pain. My foot hurt, blah, 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 like going off. And she's like, looking at me, she's like, huh, you want to smoke a joint? <laughs> I was like, Christine, yes. No, but thank you for the offer. And it's not because I disagree with the smoking of joints. It's just that it doesn't do anything for me. But I do appreciate that. But how are you? And then she was like, well, you know, I've been busy. And I had piss on the wall here at 7-Eleven. I had to clean up. I'm like, man, that's, I mean, we talked for like six minutes. She had piss on the wall? Yeah. It's probably because that homeless lady lives out there too. Yeah, but you know, so engaged in a stranger. And then I felt good about it. Just bringing a little life into my life bring a little light into my life and hopefully I brought a little bit into hers. So disengage a stranger, tell me what happens. You'll be surprised who and what you learn talking to somebody and just keeping the conversation going. Don't be superficial, enjoy. Do you know how often uh, the people in your life say you need a joint? <laughs> Daily. <laughs> I don't it's like psycho it. boy over here. I don't like it. <laughs> no, no. Takes away my edge, I yeah. where I need to be. Yeah. Um, we're gonna leave you with a little piece of William. Um, now this is gonna be a propaganda piece that he produced uh, for another company, but we kind of manipulated it for the narrative and I'm real proud of it, but this is, uh, this is William in, in his element. See you next week. What's up? What do you want? I'm busy right now. Yeah, okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, oh, absolutely. I'm sitting here eating goddamn cereal out of a fucking pot with beer because I can't even afford milk like a real person. <laughs> yeah, you know what? You are fucking funny sometimes. Yeah, turn me on to turn me loose, motherfucker. Okay, tomorrow. Yep, fuck you. Get ready. Ah, fuck it, I'll get ready. <laughs> <laughs>